Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Mana Tapped. My name is Chris. And I'm Kurt. And uh, in this podcast, we're pretty much just going to be talking about what we're into for the week. This week, we are starting off with the first three episodes of Arcane. I've already watched the series like a couple times, so. As have I. Yeah. So we're just going to take a little bit of time. That way, we're not talking your ears off about the whole entire thing. Start with the first three episodes is what we're going to discuss today. Mm hmm. All right. So. You actually have quite a bit lined up. I, I, yeah, we watched it yesterday, and I, I took a bunch of notes just on, on different interesting comfort, conversation notes. Mm-hmm. So, I gotta say, like, the opening is just so strong. The, the art direction of the show is great, yeah. in general. But the opening is just, it hits, like, it grabs you right away. Yeah. The whole entire thing with the bridge, right? Yeah. Just it, the singing, the, just the, yeah. the, the, the visuals, like, it, it is an audio and visual, just depressing, but ah, it hits. Wow, my, my words are failing me. But yeah, just it hits. And then you do have, like, I guess, jumping around a little bit on it, but in general, like, Vander, when he sees the girls, mm-hmm. immediately lives up to the ideals he teaches Vi throughout you know, the first three episodes, mm-hmm. where he sees what his leadership led to. See, you know, their parents are dead, and what does he immediately do? He drops his weapons and takes responsibility and takes the girls. It's just like, yeah, one of those things that immediately makes his character stand out. Yeah. Let's see. One of my other things, I guess we're just kind of going, uh, was like, as far as, you know, the art direction goes, that the girls have gray eyes in the beginning of the first three episodes. Yeah, that that's something I didn't notice until you pointed it out, but, uh... Yeah, until they, they kind of make the, the choice that'll mark their path, they they don't have anything, like, you know, they're, they're a blank slate, almost, <clears throat> the, the, the art direction on that one, and it's it's a neat touch, because you don't necessarily, it's not super noticeable on first viewing, I didn't notice no, it either, I had I... somebody else point it out to me, but it's just, it's one of those little touches that just adds to the magic of the show, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out to me, but... What was it? Was it within the first three episodes that Vi, her eyes changed? It's the second episode. It's the second episode? It's at the end of it. Yeah, that's, that's whenever she finally like decides, like, oh, I need to be a leader or the bigger sister she, to she, these kids. Yeah, she made the choice to turn herself in for everybody else, and that right. put her down the path that she is you know, still following, you could say. Yeah. Um, and then for Jinx, it's at the end of episode three when she embraces Silco. That's when her eyes turn purple. Right, yeah. Although you do get a hint of her eyes changing when the hex stones are reflected in her eyes. Yeah. A neat touch that it's like, this is a possibility of her path, and then she gets straight out locked in on the the fall, really. Since her arc definitely is a a fall, sadly. Jinx is such a tragic character. Yeah, I mean... Ever since she was released, I've been playing the game since 2011, 2012, something like that. You haven't played the game nope. at all. Nope, never. Yeah. So, whenever they introduced Jinx, they always, like, brought her in as, like, the Harley Quinn type character. Right. The She's, one that's supposed to be, like, crazy. She gives that energy, for sure. Although, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. At least as far as, you know, recent versions of Harley Quinn, I think Jinx does it better. Yeah. Well... But it's also just this, this adaptation or this version has such a, it, a nuance. Yeah, it has like, such a deep impact because they, they really go into like the mental state of, 
powder yeah. going through they also because you saw powder before you know the full-on fall into jinx yeah you have that sympathy for her whereas harley quinn i mean yeah her origin you definitely do get some sympathy for her but then it was also like she if i'm remembering right it was uh she was trying to profit off of the joker to write a book so she could basically get out of being a psychiatrist really yeah Oh. And then he basically just totally manipulated her, you know, gave her, you know, he basically he was the psychiatrist of the relationship at that point. And then he just bent her around his finger and then did the absolutely awful huh. things that twisted her into who she is. So not that it is not a, necessarily a sympathetic origin. It's just for Jinx, you have that, you know, you saw her as a child. And yeah. Fall. So you, you, there's definitely a bigger connection that you can form there, I think. The other big thing that I, I will say is jinx her her instability and her her mental troubles are never portrayed as sexy yeah yeah that that, that's a big thing too uh i was really worried about with arcane that they're gonna do some like whole hey this is a girl character so let's make her sexy because i mean if you don't know the company riot they've been in trouble with making over sexualizing the female characters to mm. the guys well now i you could kind of argue that they're sexualizing the guys more which you know that's I mean, fine hey, if they're gonna do it equally then i have yeah. no issue it's yeah but before in like, the past yeah. it was like it was like every female character whenever they died it sounded like they're having a fucking orgasm oh god yeah so i mean I'll, i'm really happy that in this show at least they don't sexualize these characters, especially since we're seeing them grow up from being kids. kids. It's a little awkward. Yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah, they they do a really good job of making <coughs> them attractive characters, yeah. even without necessarily going that extra step to crossing the line. It's it's nice. Yeah, they're they're not pulling like a uh, what's her name, Arya Stark. Yeah, I don't, mm. I don't want to see. No, oh, I can't. It's too early to say for sure, but I, I really do not want to see a sex scene. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess like maybe buying Caitlyn would be okay, but even yeah. even that's like you know, if it was just you know, kind of a fade to black type deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's kind of show them you know the beginning of the end, like basically an R-rated movie. Yeah, which is kind of what the series is anyway. So you know, show yeah. them you know a kiss would be fine. You know, they're in the bedroom, door shuts. That's yeah. fine. Like I, I don't necessarily need a a Game of Thrones style like full on everything's out out everywhere and just it's not that type of series. Yeah, and it almost would feel kind of exploitative to do it that way rather than just you know it's great for them to have intimacy. You know, characters are are well as of well we're getting into later episodes, but still, um, I do hope that they continue along the sort of the tasteful lines that they've been going on. yeah well tasteful as far as over sexualizing anybody <laughs> although that yordle prostitute oh <laughs> man i swear ever since like league has started that character has always been like there's always been a drawing of that character on they used to have these things like i don't know if it was the journals of justice i think that was just like the old lore thing that league had but there's always that character drawn, and I remember seeing that character way back in the day. I, I might be crazy. Uh, mm. Whoever's listening to this, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, I 
remember seeing that character, so she looked familiar to me. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> she, uh... I mean, you know, at the very least, like, you know, they first the first time you see her, she's, uh... She's trying to... She's trying to get... <laughs> she's trying to get Klaegor to dick her down. Apparently. But yep. you, she does definitely become a character later on. You see her that she, you know, has her interaction with Vi mm-hmm. in a later episode. So, once again, we're off topic. Um, I guess to lead us back in, uh... I, there's a, a thought that I've heard elsewhere um, that there's some hints that Clagger might actually be Vander's biological son. It's just in the way he treats him. I could, I could see also, that. They have a similar sort of build. Yeah. But just, you know, after he's going to, to Benzo's shop, he comes out of the, the, the room with talking to Vi and says, we're going out, Clagger. And doesn't take, you know, anybody else and, you know, throws him the bag and then as soon as they're outside the door, it says, all right, tell me what happened. Every detail. And yeah, just... I I could I could see that being a possibility, or because Clagger... Might be the I, oldest boy or the most responsible. But he, it's still he just might be the things. most responsible. Like, Milo seemed like the type of person to... Like, he's kind of a weaselly. Yeah, he, he, he's weaselly, so... Yeah. You probably aren't going to get the full truth out of him. Yeah, he's, he's like Randall from fucking Recess. He's... Yeah, I mean, it's just... Milo is a great character, but he's a great character balanced by the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. He he is sort of a necessary voice of, you know... Well, necessary is maybe a little bit of a questionable point, but just he is a voice of kind of the doubts or the other things. And for, you know, them being, what, like, maybe mid-teens, uh, if that? I think Vi has to be, like, I don't know, maybe... Fifteen something like that and yeah. then the rest of them are a little younger a little younger yeah so i mean it's not like they're adults or yeah. anything like that so yeah it makes sense for him to be if he's like 13 or 14 that he would be complaining about everything yeah i mean some people will continue to complain about everything their whole lives but nevertheless like you know, when you're that age and you're all you already kind of have that the, complainy personality you fall into the edgy teenager yeah for sure yeah uh, like I, Clagger is kind of a different story, but that's he's kind of got that. He's the solid dude. He's the, yeah, he's the kind of the quiet backbone of the group. Yeah, I mean, you even see that where like in when they're about to jump across the rooftops and Powder's you know struggling, he's like, "I'll go get her." Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. There, there are a couple points like in a later episode, he reassures the group like, "Yeah, we're gonna get out." Yeah, he he's definitely like Vi is by far the leader. Yeah, but Clagger is the one who's in the back pushing everybody yeah. along. Yeah, he's he's their rock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which just makes what happens to him tragic, or uh, even more tragic. Spoilers. Um, uh, this was a kind of funny bit, but so Jace is twenty four in the first three episodes, and yeah. he owns a nose hair trimmer, and it was just a thing that I was like, why does this dude own a nose? I guess maybe there's some people who have the extreme nose hair issues. <laughs> in their mid-20s, but <laughs> it was just a thing that I was like, what? I, it's, you know, some powder's pointing out the, the fascinating thing, and he's like, oh yeah, Milo's like, oh yeah, what is this? That's a nose hair trimmer. Maybe he was just gonna take it apart for parts, I don't, there's a lot of possibilities, it was just a mm. thing that I was like, does he just have rampant, does, does Jace have a nose hair problem? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know a few people back in the day uh, has had nose hair trimmers and they've been trimming their nose since they were 20. 
<laughs> so yeah, I guess it's possible. He's pretty clean cut. So, yeah. you know, I guess it's not like a thing that we would ever he's, see. He's, he's, he's very he's very much into the manscaping. Yeah. Oh, another question that I had arise, and it's never explained, and maybe he makes them, but where do you think Jace got the hex stones from? The hex stones? Yeah, like the initial ones. Because <sighs> it seemed like he couldn't get more, or at least he couldn't get more quickly. Okay, I I, I didn't think we would talk about the hex. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, okay. Alright, so he got his first initial one from... The wizard that saves him right. and his mom, right? And that's the one that's in his, like, his little... That's the one that he has in his cufflink. Yeah. So, those are actually all around... Well, they're... I don't know if they're, like, all around... The whole entire world, the continent, or the world that they live in is called Runeterra. Mm -hmm. So, my theory is that Jace either... It's either one, he made them, reverse engineered and made them by studying his own stone. Right. Or what I really think they are, are, what are they called? Bracken? Give me one sec. Let okay. me find where this character is at. Okay. All right. So. Chris is our resident lore man. Yeah. So, so you see this, this little guy. Uh-huh. He's nothing but crystals. Ah. So, that character's whole entire thing is he's nothing but crystals, and they're called brackens. Uh-huh. So people have been mining their stones because they do shit with them. That, that would make sense. I um, mean, it's definitely a possibility. I guess just as far as what's shown in the show, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that's sort of left open. Something I thought might be interesting to talk about, I guess. Yeah, he could have made them, or he could have collected them somehow. It just seemed like a thing where, being that he is not a mage, I was just sort of curious as to how he had collected this arcane energy Yeah, in these stones. Like, They are such an important plot point that are never entirely explained, but at the same time, it wasn't necessarily super important. The idea, you know, you're, you're given enough to, to get the understanding that he has been working on this for a long time. He's got a start point with the, the stone that was given to him that, yeah, it's totally possible that he manufactured or, you know, came across a similar type of stone. Yeah, I'm... I, like, I don't know. Part of me really hopes that it is some of the Bracken, like, crystals, just because I really... This is me nerding out, but I really want this whole entire story to go from the travel south, I guess. So well, I, I, I really want the whole entire world to be explained. So out of Piltover. Yeah, I, I want it out of zoom out. Piltover. More into, I don't know, the stuff in... So just south of Piltover, there is... Well, there's on. Whatever. Right. And then further down... <laughs> all right so piltover and zon are like at this straight right right they're the it's the straight yeah yeah so they are con they are the connecting lands between shirima the desert of shirima mm -hmm. and where noxus and demacia are fair enough uh we see noxus in a later ep or in the later episode but I really want 
the one reason why I think like Jace got the stones from the Bracken and he doesn't even really know uh-huh. is um the Bracken are based out of Shrima and that's ah, not too far. That's fair. Yeah. It wouldn't necessarily be too far. Yeah. Even to get trade. Yeah, plus plus there is a character in Piltover that he's pretty freaking big in Piltover, but we have not seen him yet. That's the Indiana Jones character, Ezreal. Huh. I will look forward to hopefully seeing him in season two. I hope so too. He's a cocky son of a bitch. But, I mean, this character gets all his powers from Shirima. He constantly travels down while well, he travels around the world. That's his whole entire thing. Nice. Yeah, he doesn't want to be bound to just studying that Piltovery. He thinks that knowledge is out in the world. Which so it's fair. Yeah. So he's like a he's a total Indiana Jones. Nice. Yeah. So that that's one thing that I think maybe just maybe Jace could have got his stones from. Totally possible. Totally possible. Or else, it, yeah, it, I mean, it could be some small, like, he manufactured it. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they did make the ones that are perfect in later episodes at this point. Yeah. So it, it would imply that maybe they are making them. Yeah. But nevertheless, like, it was just, it was a thing that I, I thought about when we were watching this time. That Where did where did he get those from? But regardless, he got them. And mm-hmm. Powder blew up a building with them. So my next note was uh, like sort of like the street fight, uh, street fight with the kids. Mm-hmm. The just the fights in this series are so they're so visceral and they're so well choreographed. Like you just you feel every hit. Like it just there's such good impact. Yeah, I I want to say that kind of speaks a lot to Riot and their. I don't know if there's like a Cinemax team or whatever the hell, but it's just like it's something I expect from their cinematics. Their cinematics are always pretty good. <laughs> Usually, whenever I see one first time watching it, I'm always like, "Holy shit, that's tight! I can't believe this person did this or they showed this." But yeah, like all the fights in the show, they're they kind of went past that a little bit for me, just I because mean- it's like. Most of them are straight up fist fights. Yeah, it's it's a lot of brawling, but it's like yeah, really well choreographed. And brawling. they go they go into detail, which I didn't think would show all that well with this art style. It does. It, it works so well. The animation works, is so yeah. Fluid. And then like the foley, I guess yeah. it is. Yeah, the, the like the foley, the sound effects. Yeah, it, they're so. It, it's not. It's not like they're so corny. Me- the psh. yeah, it's it's not like the stock sound effect. It is so meaty. It sounds. Yeah. It sounds like more realistic fist making contact with body than some actual movies. Yeah, it's do. Like, it's that actual. I don't know. You, I could almost hear it like someone getting punched in the back, and you hear that. Thun. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds like meat getting hit. Like, yeah, and it's just it, it's it adds so much. It, it makes the fight so very visceral. Like yeah, they're, they're such raw fights. Even when you know the choreography is clean, you know they they. The blows are traded. I mean, you see Vi with her face bleeding at the end of that, that that scrap on the street. Like, you know, Clagger taking on two guys at once. Vi hits a dude with the, the, yeah, the, that... the, the wood plank and, like, 
Yeah, and one thing I really like about these is, uh, like, with every fight, it always shows, like, damn, these characters are getting fucking tired. Oh, yeah, they're, they're such a, yeah. a, a realistic weight to everything, where you see them, they're panting, they're... They, they want to, like, it looks like they just want to sit down. And it just, that's what a fight, you know, is. Yeah, like, you, you can't, you can't... Unless you've got some, you know, crazy magic fueling you, you are tired. You know, the adrenaline coursing through you, you are going to be tired quick. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I, it even goes to peeking at, at episode three, Vias on the bridge, and you know, fighting Silco's men. And after that brawl, where she takes out, God, Probably six, what, six to ten people on that, you know, takes them on one at a time, luckily, or, you know, maybe one or two at a time, because the bridge funnels them, which is excellent storytelling. That Yeah, have, have you noticed that there's a lot of fights that happen on bridges in the show? I mean, it at least gives the realistic weight to them so that they can't get surrounded, yeah. since they're trying so very hard to make it so that these characters are not, I mean, they are incredibly strong is a powerhouse but at the same time you know if she got surrounded by like six people i don't think vi wins unless she's got her gauntlets but true know, that's uh you know for later episodes but you know in general like especially in episode three which you know, we're kind of jumping ahead but she is on that bridge she's 15 maybe i would have to look to see if they have the actual ages posted or anywhere but you know she's She's this teenager. She's taking on grown men. Yeah. With knives and weapons. And, I mean, she wins, which is just incredible. Yeah. And then you have the whole Shimmer Monster Deckard. But I, I did not expect her to beat him, let's be fair. Was that really in episode three? Yeah, that was episode three. Damn. Uh, so that's the whole prologue is leads up to... Right. So the fall of the family, and then four to six, and after sort of the time skip happens. Right. But regardless of, of her age as, at the time, my, my next note is about uh, just like when they go down the elevator and you get the visuals of the Undercity for the first time. It's, yeah. it's so cool. It, 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 I mean, yeah, it, that's like one thing that always hit hard, like. I've always, I've always known Piltover to be like, from playing the game, this is just strictly from me playing the game, the way that they've always painted Piltover and Zahn to me was Piltover was always smart people trying to, like, spread knowledge throughout the world, and then there's Zahn, which are corrupt people who, they're crafty, but gross. Which you could say both are true in the show, and yet there's so much nuance yeah, it, added. Yeah, like through the, the only real time that this, like, that ever broke my train of thinking for that, or my thought of that, was whenever they introduced Echo. Ah. And then that's whenever I first really started getting into lore, was actually because of Echo. And I was like, holy shit, what? No, Zahn's not all just bad people. 
Right. Uh, <clears throat> it's it would be very easy to draw that conclusion yeah. even by those visuals. Like, yeah. It looks like a dark and foreboding place. Yeah, and then looking at Arcane, it's like, oh well, Piltover's just I guess the rich people and it's, Zon's it's, just the, It's very much a class yeah. divide. Yeah, it's a class divide. It's and, as well as severe misgovernment by Piltover. Yeah. I mean, I've thought about this, that the real, like, villain of of Arcane isn't really Silco. It's no. more of the mismanagement yeah, by it, the council. It's, yeah, that's what I, like, Silco, yes, he's a villain. He does some really terrible he things. He does some really bad stuff, but... At the end of the day, you can understand what has made him what he yeah, he's trying to look out for his people. Even if the way he's doing it is the... He's a very the ends justify the means type yeah. of person. Mm-hmm. Which his life, as far as we know of what it is, has made him that way. I can understand it. It's one of the, it's another thing that I love about this show is that every character is human. Well, human, you know, in yeah, air, air quotes. In air quotes. Yeah. That... Regardless of species, everybody's a person. That there's there's nuance to every character. There's, yeah, they have they have their own personality. Or... And and there's no cut and dry good and evil. Yeah. And for a story like this, it works so very well because you can look at Silco and see you know if you just looked at what he does, then yeah, he's just he's a terrible person. Yeah. And I won't ever deny that. But you can also look at who he is and where he came from and see, okay, he is somebody who, what he, you know, why he is doing what he's doing makes sense. Yeah. As well as just, yeah, the world he lives in and that he has grown up in has taught him you don't get results unless you're willing to do the things that he's willing to do. Yeah. So the next note, had just I have written down Vander is the man. But it's um he helps Huck in the bar. As as the oh, the, the, the little merchant guy. Yeah. As he's, you know, about to get swindled, or you know, the people are trying to swindle him, that he is both the peacemaker as well as kind of know, the the lawman in a lot of ways in the lanes, as they yeah. call it. Um and it's just, you know, you see he is somebody who is trying to take care of everybody as best he can, so that even, you know, as Silco later puts it, you know, there was never enough to go around in the Undercity that Vander is somebody who is trying to make sure there is enough for everybody to survive, yeah. at the very least. And then my next note was also, is that he's also the best dad, which is, you know, he comes down the, downstairs to the basement, and I'm not going to lie, my first viewing, I was, you know, Having knowing nothing about him, I was like, "Oh God, here, here we go! It's gonna, you know, lay into him. He's, you know, they're gonna go and fall into the adopted parent is kind of, uh, kind of terrible." And then he's immediately just like worried about them, and yeah, then telling them, "Hey, what were you guys thinking? This is not a smart move." And then of course they don't know that he's got his deal with Piltover to, you know, they stay out of his business, he stays out of theirs. But nevertheless, like, he's just worried about them. And then, you know, Vi gives him attitude. And then I, that was the point where I was like, he tells everybody to get out. And I was like, oh boy, here it comes. Yeah. And then he sits down and he's just like, tries to teach her, you are the leader. You know, you have whatever happens. If you lead them into something, you are responsible. Yeah. 
And that's, you know, the exact same thing we've seen him live when he took the girls home, when he you know, took them in, that as the leader, he took that responsibility. And he's trying to, to pass that knowledge that, I mean, honestly, he learned a very hard way along to Vi, as well as, you know, pointing out with her hands, oh, maybe that's, that might be an episode two, that, just that her fists are not the solution to problems, but um, yeah, I mean, but but nevertheless, like you know, he he's somebody who has lived that life. He's walked that path of my fists are the answer, and realized it just makes more problems. Yeah, and so it's unfortunately true that even though he you know, supplies this wisdom to <clears throat> Vi, she doesn't. It doesn't sink in for her. As well as just that is her general her first you know solution to any problem is to kick it in, or yeah, punch it, which we even saw that in the, you know in the first episode oh. she kicks the door open yeah like that's that is Vi's personality and you know, that is her her solution to any problem is how hard can I punch it yeah I I will say though like at the end of that whole entire conversation after like he's done talking to her. And he's grabbing all the stuff to take over to what's his Benzo. Benzo's place. Mm-hmm. He makes one comment. And he goes, "But you did lay that." Oh yeah, but but you did with the the, the it, Deckard with the yeah. guy who, who attacked them. Yeah, he was you like, did, "But you did put him on his ass, didn't you?" <laughs> yeah, and she smiles and says, "Of course, you know, of course, or you know, yeah." And so he's proud of her. He is proud that because he he wants them to be tough he wants them they are growing up in an uh, incredibly harsh environment. yeah it's it's a doggy dog world so he wants them to have the strength to survive yep but he also just wants her to have the wisdom and to be a good leader and not to put her people in in danger because it i i think it's pretty obvious that vander was teaching vi to follow in his footsteps and be the next leader of the, yes. the Undercity. He wanted her to protect everybody. Yeah, be strong enough to protect everybody, but don't go looking for... Don't don't go looking for trouble. Yeah. But uh, be ready if trouble finds you. Yeah. That's kind of the, the uh, mindset he was trying to, to teach her, which, it, honestly, is not a bad... Yeah. Like, like he's... That, Silco, that, that's a big thing, too, like, I've noticed with Silco and Vander is... Uh, Silco, he wants to fight. He wants to fight for his people. Yes. Vander does not. Vander... After the bridge, Vander realized... Yeah, he, he realized it, we just need to protect our people. That the cost to fight wasn't always yeah. worth it. Yeah. And what he, he had to do the value judgment of, is the fight worth losing? You know, what do I value more? The, this fight or the people who are coming into it with me? Yeah. And for Vander, it always came down to the people who are, with, who are following me are more important than yeah. the fight. Whereas for Silco, it was the goal. Yeah. You know, yes, we he might lose people along the way, although you know, later episodes change that viewpoint. Um, but at the time, it, it was all about the goal, all yeah. about the fight, the, the revolution, the, the creation of the nation of Zong, and you know, the realization of that, that even if they lost so many people, that... They achieve the goal, and then you know whoever survives gets to have that grand achievement. It gets to you know 
take that as you know, their prize, you could say. Next note is oh, Benzo is looking at something when he when Xander walks oh. in the shop, and you recognize. Oh, it. dude! I and was so, so happy. Uh, all right, so for those who played season, I think they got rid of it in like season three, but in season two was whenever I really heavily started playing League. That's whenever I found what role I liked playing. So I, I mainly play support in League, and what he's holding in his hand is a support item that you start off the game with called Heart of Gold. And everybody has been, well, not recently anymore, but everybody's like, they've always made memes like, bring back the Heart of Gold. (laughs) So they brought it back. (laughs) Yeah, well, they brought it back, (laughs) yeah, in the show. And I never noticed it until I was looking at him, and I looked at his hand, and I was like, holy shit, that's a fucking Heart of Gold. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, I... That's another one of the teasers, or, like, little... It's just one of the little details that, yeah. that the art team it, throws in. That... Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Because they keep doing that throughout the show, and you really have to pay attention to it. I'm um, sure there is plenty that it, me, is having never played the game, and missing out on. But there's so much yeah, even... even like, the, uh, okay, so whenever they come down from that raid on Jace's yeah, lab... And, and you're like, oh, the little bug thing. The little bug thing in the, in the yeah. crug. I assume it's something from the game. But yeah, it's, just... it's, a, it's a jungle mob. It's called a Krug. And I'm like, oh, it's a Krug. And then they have... Oh, I forgot what the other one... What the other thing is. But, like... Like, there's the tall people who had the... Like, the... Uh, wide hats on. I don't know what it was. Like, the... Um, wide hats. Like, like, the Asian style, like, straw hats. They walk by them when they're coming into the inner city. Oh, really? Yeah, there's, there's two tall, uh, you know... I have to go back and look at that. Different race of people that they walk by, that they have, like, the Asian-style straw hats. That are, you know, really? Or, yeah. I, I think I pointed it out when we were watching, but I was uh, like, oh, tall people. <laughs> but No, I... Like, they, there's so much that they do as far as world-building goes that I, as a writer, I respect that they, it's, it's, you know, a thing that's so much easier to do with a visual medium than, yeah. you know, physically writing, but, um, cause you can, you know, if you're writing, you can clog up your, your story by trying to add all the inane details. Whereas if you've got a visual medium, you can just, you can just casually throw in a Krug and they look yeah. at it and like, yeah, it's a thing. You don't necessarily know what it is, but it's a thing. Yeah. Or, you know, I've the, been... all the, the different species or races of you know the world, you see them, but you don't really explore who any of them are in the show, but it's a thing that, like, they're there, and you, you know that they're there, and you're hoping, oh, when are we going to learn about them? That could be yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, I'm not going to lie until, like, episode four-ish? No, maybe later. Yeah, like, four-ish, I want to say. I would look at everything major happening, and then try to see if I could catch... Either like the wind stirring up, or a bluebird somewhere. I assume these are all things that these, are yeah, like other, other champions or or yeah. So there signs. there is one champion that I like. I really fucking doubt that they're ever gonna put her in. That's Jenna. Right? Yeah, Jenna. 
Um, I really doubt that they're going to put her in. But I could see her showing up maybe later. Mm-hmm. Maybe later on if something ever goes really bad with that's Zon. That's absolutely wrong. Yeah, because... Which, I mean, with Jinx doing the thing she's doing, it's totally possible. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I've been, yeah, I've been, I've been looking at, like, trying to see, like, if there's any other Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Just really hoping that she's going to show up. There is another character, which it becomes more noticeable later on, but I don't know if you'd notice, well, it's whenever, when does, what episode does Jinx go with Silco at the end of the episode? At the end of, the end of episode three is okay. when she is sort of taken in by him or she she hugs him yeah so after after that i had uh, yeah we'll talk about that later yeah. <laughs> um so let's see next my next note is uh about grayson the the enforcer like chief oh yeah that i just i really liked her that she's someone who is doing the best she can in a no-win situation yeah she's somebody who is you know she's trapped between the council basically telling her we don't care about their lives, do whatever you want. And knowing, having, I'm sure, been part of that fight on the bridge, that we don't want a war with these people. Yeah. She and Vander have both seen that that happen, that violence. She doesn't want to lose her people in a war with yeah. the Undercity. Like, I just respect that she is somebody who, she one, I'm pretty sure she sees them as being, you know, still her constituents still the people she's supposed to protect and yet orders from above are she's somebody who's being crushed by duty versus morality yeah and it's just you can see that and she is somebody who is doing the absolute best she can in a no-win situation and it just it sucks and i guess i like that vander is working with her actually just because it's it's a diplomatic solution as opposed to just let's Let's have it out. Let's get blood in the streets. Like yeah, her uh, especially. Be, sorry, especially because of Marcus, you know, being next to her and being just an absolute you know, slimy <sighs> scumbag who just oh, he's the worst. He's the worst. He gets a little better so in the later episodes when he becomes a father, and you know, he gets a little more nuance to his. Character. Even still, fuck that guy. I, I'm not saying I like like I say. I'm not saying he's you know becomes a you know a better person. Yeah. So much as just like. He becomes a more sympathetic like, person. Like, oh my god. As a father. Oh my god. Uh, I, like, I I just realized. But he's terrible. He, yeah, he's, he's like the worst cop stereotype. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, he saves Vi, and what does he do to save her? He takes her to fucking prison? Yeah, well, it's not even saved her, really. It's more, like, made his career. But, yeah. Uh, are um, you are you shitting me? What the fuck? Where terrible, terrible things happen to Vi. It's just, oh just fucking awful. Oh my god. Well, I mean, that kind of made her stronger, it's, sure, it's, whatever. Yeah, but... but at the same time, like, it's just, it's a terrible situation. <laughs> Although, I guess, on the flip side of it, and I'm not saying that, you know, it was a good choice at all, What would she have been able to take Silco and all of his thugs to get the powder? No, but... Mm-hmm. Alright, so... The one thing I thought that was going to happen whenever he takes her, I'm like, oh, this is him redeeming himself for, like, being a piece of shit. And then they're going to do the whole entire thing of when Vi becomes an enforcer, because that's the original lore. Mm-hmm. Vi's an enforcer. Which is crazy to think, as far as the show goes. Yeah, her, her and Caitlyn are like a tag team in the original lore. I mean, they 
kind of a tag team. They're they're in a the tag later, team, but, yeah. But they're in a different way. Yeah, Although but the chemistry works really well. But that's the whole entire thing is Visa and Enforcer, and then like in game Echo always says like, "Oh, you're always a Zonite." Blah blah. Mm. I don't know. I, that's where I thought it was gonna go, and then totally different direction. Totally different direction. Like Caitlin goes to the prison, and then there's Bye. Right. Wow. We'll get into that. Yeah. In, in, oh in, in the next episode. God. The, uh, uh, fuck Marcus. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty terrible. Let's see, my my next note was uh, another nod to the writers because uh it's you know after the scene with benzo's shop where you have uh vi and milo talking milo is complaining as he does about powder and powder overhears and my note is just that they they don't play into the person overhearing just enough to cause drama trope with powder yeah uh i mean technically you could say they do but they immediately resolve yeah. So it's just it's a thing where it's not like oh it becomes you know the 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 thing that ruins everything. It, it is more of one buy is just hilarious with Milo when she you know when he puts her foot down and <laughs> tells him to shut his mouth. But also then you know she goes to talk to Powder later and Powder brings it up. It's not like she you know has a little bit of resentment that she holds onto. It's more of just they talk about it and it's resolved and you have that very wholesome moment between the two of them where Vi takes her up on the rooftop and points out you know, all of the the different places where each of them had just their bad day and it's it's such a good moment and, and Vi really is a good big sister and she, yeah you know she really does look out for powder and it's it just it really makes it that much worse what happens to them yeah um, but I I just I re- much respect to the writers for not there's so many things in the show I notice where it's towing the line of you know these these tropes that I absolutely hate, and then they'll def they'll they'll very quickly take that point and turn it into something good. And I that's uh, that is an art form that I respect. Let's see, and then at the end of episode one, jumping around so well, but Silco gets his introduction. You know, we don't even find out his name. He's just he, you know, he's threatening the the kid Deckard, where his men are, and he is so menacing. Yeah, like he he really does seem like he's going to be just this absolute mustache twirling villain. Like, you know, yeah. he's, he's got the eye, he's got everything. He he looks like he will be, you know, just the James Bond villain. And I love that that is only, that is subverted to a degree. Yep. It's if if nothing else. He is a justified James Bond villain. Is kind of how I would come to view him. I don't know. Um, Octopus was pretty cool. <laughs> and then, so moving on to episode two, uh, my first note was just it's kind of gushing about sort of the the, the attention to detail. Uh, in this case, it was um, with Jace in his little flashback. His mom's fingers are frostbitten. Yeah. And then later on, when you see her again. They're covered. She has them in like uh, like little velvet sleeves or like coverings, and it's it's just one of those little details that could have easily been forgotten, but it is a thing that you know is on screen. They show her her fingers as you know, definitely being ruined, and so it's just it's a nice touch. It's just 
it's those little things that sometimes even if you don't necessarily notice them like you know consciously your 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 eyes and your brain definitely do pick up the little details and it just adds to that quality just i don't think i noticed it my first time watching maybe i did but the second time i definitely did because I, I was the first time i was watching i was definitely uh, not paying as close of attention as i could have been because you had said oh you should watch it and i was like yeah it's like a legends i don't know it's i hear it's okay but so i was kind of playing pokemon on my ds but yeah then my ds started dying and then i looked down and I, I was listening to the show for sure and then i looked up and then i couldn't look away until i'd finished the show that night so <laughs> subsequent watch throughs i've definitely paid much closer attention to the details and just been absolutely floored by it yeah what do you think of uh blizzard dude he's so cool like he is just like it, one of my favorite showings of what magic can look like in a show just mm -hmm. visually like uh it's eye candy or, or you know i don't even know how else to describe it just i i saw it and i immediately was just going this is the coolest thing i've ever seen as far as magic use goes just, rune magic is always not a thing that i've loved just the, the idea of and i mean holy crap that was insane yeah i like i'm 100 sure it is a certain character or it's rise from the game but he's not blue um but there is like a few bits where like I believe Heimerdinger in that later episode is whenever he's like, magic's not something we should fuck with. Right. Right? Which, um, there's a whole discussion on the arcade that I want to have. Yeah, but there's like, there's a, they show a picture of that character in the sky destroying a town. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. I, oh, I, I, do, I remember the image. Like, he has that. I, I didn't know that that was Rise. I just knew it, it's pretty much yeah it's i mean it's, i knew that it was a mage and the you know the implication was that like yeah mages ma magic is is a terrifying thing yeah, in this world like there's they have never or they have not mentioned this nation yet but there is a nation demacia that they don't do no mages mm. at all <laughs> <laughs> evil bad so I, I'm I'm interested to see like where they go where they go because like since this story is going into the hey this is us making magic more accessible for people and it could actually help people mm -hmm. well what's gonna happen whenever mages actually do show up right since we the only mage we've really seen is rise. The in, yeah. in in the show in the current time yeah the only so he's the only real one that we've seen it does lead you to wonder then when a mage does show up like what, what's gonna happen what are you guys doing with magic here yeah that that does seem like an interesting thing although once again when we get to our discussion on on the arcane uh, I really am excited to hear your your I have I have some thoughts and some theories being somebody who's never played the game or really looked into the lore you know I, obviously I. The conclusion I'm going to draw is probably different from the, you know, the truth of it, but I look forward to when that time comes. Um, my next note was on the the funhouse scene when you see Vi boxing, 
outer it's fixing the machines as well as like you see that she's just more than a crack shot like holy crap is that little girl really good with a gun yeah and it just like it, it's a great uh, just from the writing perspective it's it's a great way to show not only their skills but even to a degree how they have gotten their skills like you know the vi being this you know brawler which even even though she is it also shows you know we saw in the street fight she still gets her you know her teeth clicked at times so yeah. it's not like you know she's not you know at an absolutely flawless bruce you know bruce lee like you know nobody touches her like she gets she just goes in and that's kind of the thing but you see her you know working on her form you know she's practicing you see the scores that she has like the first like the top like 12 scores or you know however many and like you know it just she she does this you know this is probably how she spends her downtime which is not really downtime but still and then with powder like holy crap you would if i would even say if she had a gun while they were doing things milo would have almost no room to complain because my god is that girl like terrifying yeah with a gun but it's just it's it's a great little bit of, of you know, storytelling as well as even like they have a, an escape plan you know they always just the way they've grown up they always have an escape plan so even when the enforcers are coming in as well as they that they execute the escape plan without ever saying a word vi looks at clagger and he turns the lights off like yep. it's just <clears throat> you gotta love that that teamwork that is just innate to them because they have to to survive yeah and like and then you know echo saves them with the ladder which it makes sense to echo that he follows people he likes to, you know, go on the rooftops. Like they, they establish his character early on that that's a thing he likes to do. So even that just is great. And it, you know, it comes back in later where he follows them when they take Vander. Yeah. Echo is somebody who likes to be on the rooftops following he, people. He he takes an interest in things and then he follows them. Yeah. Uh, my next note was ah, with just regards to the the way like the the visuals they use for showing the class divide between Quicksilver and Zahn or the Undercity um, is really unique because, like, the Enforcers are always wearing gas masks whenever they're in the Undercity. Mm -hmm. So they become these faceless, just, enemies. Yeah. You know, they, they, they stop being human when they enter, and it almost, it creates this, you know, this divide between the two that is almost we see that it becomes un unbridgeable. Bridge. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's a good metaphor. But yeah. all of their interactions are blocked by a mask. Where, except for Grayson talking to Vander, she takes her gas mask off and drinks with him. And it's just, it's one of those little touches that, you know, even just as a, on a visual level, like, Grayson looks at Vander as a person. Yeah. She's, you know, willing to... And I mean, it's it's also just interesting too because the reasoning for wearing the gas masks is because the air is so terrible there, which really kind of speaks to the that divide even further because rather than trying to do something about the air being so terrible, they just wear gas masks like the people, you know, the, the upper class people. It's just, I, I mean, I mean, Zonza Zon. Or the Undercity is just the working class. Yeah, or... for sure. 
It's it's just one of those things that like you would think that if they were trying, they're the city of progress. The, the city of progress. The, the innovate innovators. Yeah, they they would be able to come up with some solution to not have nah. half their population. Nah. Or even... What 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 what's the first <laughs> thing that Jace makes, or Jason Victor make, with the uh, Hextech stuff? The hex gates. No. Or or, or after the hex gates that Heimerdinger says you're not ready to show. Oh yeah, it's mining equipment. Yeah, it's mining equipment. Shit for the workers. Yeah, it is. It's... They're not. They're not working on like it's not quality of life yeah, it's not it's not anything super <laughs> innovative to help the city of piltover so it doesn't really affect them all that much and they don't care they don't care yeah yeah but it's, it's also kind of funny too when i think about it though that the thing they made is mining equipment rather than you know something that might help make the air quality better nope. or things along those lines like nope. i mean look at the chem barons half of or there's that one chick with the nose yeah it's just, it's just one of those things that, <laughs> that now that I'm thinking about it, like even Jace and Victor, when they're trying to make the lives of the people of Zaun better, it's not necessarily the things that would make their lives yeah, like, it's, <laughs> hey, better. Here's stuff for work. <laughs> here's stuff to make your job. You could easier. do more work. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that whole thing. Um, <laughs> Next note was just we I guess we kind of already touched on it, but Vander talking to Vi on the bridge, and just you know asking her about you, know, you want to fight, but what are you willing to lose in that fight? Yeah, and just it's just you know especially because he took her to the bridge where her parents died, and he even says if I hadn't led us across this bridge, your parents probably would be alive. It's just if ever there was a point, and that that is what you know shifts by on her arc if ever there was you know not a, a more poignant way to get his point across to her mm -hmm. i can't think of it like he's just he's he's just a great dad i mean i i would agree with you that he's just you you said he's your favorite character yeah about it before if nothing else he is the best character in the first three episodes yeah like, by by a country mile he is the most and it makes sense his arc is complete yeah, I, well, Whereas the kids are growing. So I, I, I tend to gravitate towards the big, like, the big strong character that everybody looks after and respects. Yeah, for sure. And they always have, like, some weird tragic end. That is fair. Yeah. Uh, I will also even just say that Vander is probably the best dad I've seen in, in yeah. fictional media, or just in media in general. A long time. The the, be <laughs> the best thing about Vander was it. He wasn't corny. He wasn't corny. He he was very much heartfelt. Yeah. And like, you he's somebody who's lived the life. You got that sense. That yeah. Like, he has seen the the hard. He's. I mean, he was a dad. He's just. He's somebody who's seen the hard times. He's gone through them. He doesn't want that for his kids, and he's trying to show them not how not to make the mistakes he made. Yeah. And it's just. At no point does it come across corny. It just comes across as like he's just got this incredible desire to see them flourish, and it just and it just it's so wholesome. It's such a a good thing. I I can't think of any dad in any you know show or series quite a while that stacks up to that at all. And the you know the crazier part is they're not his kids. Like not yeah. by you know not by blood. Like they are kids. He is you know 
other than potentially Claggery, if that theory is correct. But but even if it's not, it doesn't matter. It's just they are his kids. He will he will die for them, as we've seen. He's like Sean Bean in that one show that ended badly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, that is that is fair. So yeah, just I'm totally on the Vander bandwagon. Yeah. Um, my next note is leading into you know from from the highs to the lows uh, is the scene where Jace almost commits suicide. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> which like I've heard some some commentary that he was really weak there, and I just I can't agree with that. No. And no, it just it, no. the thing that stood out to me. And the reasoning why he was at that that edge, literally you know, on that edge, was especially the fact that his mom turned, you know, basically stabbed him in the back. Yeah, and she is the one person who should have had his back. Yeah, the, the most. I mean, the one the one thing that the guy wanted to do was just be a part of Academia, and he got cast out. Yeah, and but even and his his I don't know what the hell they're called the. The Caitlin's family. The Kiermans. Yeah, the Kiermans. They're supposed to... or Be his patrons. They, yeah, they, they're his patrons. And they turned their backs on him. They too. turned his back on him, and then uh, his mom comes in and goes, No, my son's just... Uh, he's, fucking, not, he's not in his he's right mind. He's fucking nuts. <laughs> and it's just... And it's just one of those things where, like, her life was saved by magic. He's trying to create that same yeah, he's, magic. Yeah, he's trying to... She's the one person he needed to have his side the most. And she turned her back on him. And... I can even understand why she did it. Like, I, I'm not even saying, like, throwing stones at the mom for what she did because she saw the writing on the wall and was like, I'm well, going to protect my yeah, son. Yeah, I'm gonna... Like, as much as I can. I do not want my That's son my to, get, to get thrown out. So yeah. it's not even like I'm throwing shade at her because she was desperately trying to save her, yeah, son, she, her child. And she did what a but, mom would do and try to protect her son. But nevertheless, like, for him, it was a betrayal. It was a very, yeah. very, very deep betrayal. Yeah. Of the one person who should have understood him the most. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand that, that he's feeling cast out because he basically is. He may as well have been exiled in his mind. Yeah. And so, and with his, his work, everything taken from him, what does he have left? And I, I can understand that mindset completely. And so I can't say, I can't call him weak for being somebody who has just stripped of everything uh, and rather than trying to lash out at the world he's just decided to let it go yeah and thank the gods for victor though for victor showing up to now yeah, i guess to basically be the person who does have his back regardless of how things go in the future for them like that, that moment of them bonding and victor you know kind of teasing him about signing every page of his notes and just basically saying i believe in you this work i think this can work is uh there's for all of the tragedy in the show there's so much wholesomeness too it's kind yeah of, they, they definitely balance that very well you just you have that that feeling of victor and, and jace regardless of you know divides that may come they were at least for quite a while like as jace puts it later they're like brothers yeah they develop that that bond of brotherhood their shared purpose the I don't know. I respect it. Let's see, my my next note is uh, going back to Vander and gushing about him. Just with regards to, he sees Powder with the bunny. You know, why is you know giving Powder the bunny? So 
she's you know as almost the stand-in for her because she's going to turn herself in and he looks at the bunny for like two seconds and immediately knows what she's doing yeah and it's just like if that is not a father in tune with his kids my god does that man know his kids yeah and, and I, I i really like i don't know i really like those scenes where it's like always that slow music playing and then the dad's like here you go kid here's some chalky milk <laughs> oh yeah and yeah. that's even just you know him, yeah and he's like i got being, a straw for you too him it's being in your with, favorite cup yeah him being with powder and you have that it's it's like one of those you know quiet moments it's yeah. just you know, there's nothing dramatic going on. I mean, yes, there is, but it's not on screen. It's not on screen, but and, like it's just it's this wholesome moment where you get to see like how he is with his kids. And yeah, she comes and sits, and he's you know she's kind of got that that little kid energy. And he's, yeah, it's like the he, one time where you see him be like just one hundred percent gentle, just a tender yeah a tender yeah. moment with his kids. Yeah, and uh, then with his child, and, and then he sees the bunny, and, and he's. No word said. He's like, "Oh shit, I gotta he's, go." Immediately, his eyes go wide as he realizes, she, and it's yeah, there is guaranteed pride, which you see in the next episode. There is so much pride in him when he, because he's the one who comes in and you know grabs Vi and throws her in the basement and locks her in, basically, because he is so very proud of her. For she learned, she took that lesson of being the leader to heart. Yeah, and then. You know, he's so proud of her, and what does he immediately do after he's locked her in? He turns himself in. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because he's a dad. So, you know, anything your kids do is on you. And that's just, yeah. Even, yeah beyond, it... even beyond just being a leader there, it's also, he's like, yeah, she's my daughter. I'm the, I will let you harm me before anything happens to her. Yeah. And it's just, it's so... It's so good because Vander he stays consistent to his character throughout you know all of it, and his character is so good. So it's just ah uh, you know Chef's kiss about yeah. how how well executed he is. I mean the the other thing though that they do have that you know is supposed to sort of give you some doubt about Vander is the fact that he did try to murder Silco. And yeah, but... and so we talked about it some previously. We did. That I, I theorized that it was that Vander wanted to stop the revolution. Yeah. And Silco did not, and it came to blows. And even though, you know, so with that, yes, Vander won that fight, but he's hated himself for it ever since. He even covers up the wound. Yeah, he, he looks at it and it's all He he keeps like a bracer over yep. over the slash that from it. And it it is a source of shame for him. But I just it that's that seems like the most likely explanation because I just don't see any other reason that Vander would have turned his back and literally attempted to murder somebody he considered a brother, unless yeah. it was something that big of Silco being like, no, we're not stopping, we're going to create our nation, and Vander being like, look at who's look at everybody who has died yeah. for the fight, and we're not any we haven't made any progress, this isn't worth it, and so. I can see that coming to blows between them. And yeah, it just if nothing else it once it, it humanizes Vander for sure that you know he has, he's you know somebody who has such a good character is such you know is such a good man and yet he still has regrets. Mm-hmm. Um I mean Silco obviously we've kind of talked about it that he's more of I I have my note that he's a ruthless freedom fighter. Yeah. rather than you know a mustache twirling villain. Yeah. 
Like he's he's not doing what he's doing for I am evil. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's just he's more of the plotting type. As well as just he's got the goal of of creating the nation by any means necessary. I really want to know where the hell he came up with the name Zon. Yeah, I I do kind of wonder if they you know he and Vander and whoever else was involved uh, Benzo sat down and they were like Zon. Yeah, that's a good uh, name. <laughs> so uh, I wish I would have looked it up beforehand, but this is going back to Shrima again. Uh-huh. Zon is the name of a ascendant ruler in Sharima. Huh, so the ascendant are like these think of pharaohs who become gods. So there's uh, do you remember the, in that one video of the, Rise? Yeah, the the, the Anubis looking the Anubis looking guy. Yeah. That's an ascendant the, person. The jackal looking yeah, guy. That's a that's someone who's <laughs> become like, they, they've ascended to God. They've ascended. Apotheosis. Yeah. So nice. Uh, it's I forgot the name. It's some weird. It's always like Zon Anuin or some shit like that. Uh, yeah. Um, Egyptian sounding. Yeah, it's <laughs> Egyptian sounding, but um, or potentially is Egyptian. Yeah, but that's where, as far as I know, that's where they get the name Zon from. So, yeah. where the hell did that come from? Did they learn of it? Somebody had a book. <laughs> yeah, what what's going on with that? That is an interesting note. Yeah. I definitely, you know, being just, you know, in fantasy in general, unique names are rarely a thing that I'm like, oh, where did that come from? It's kind of a, yeah, all right, it's on. Well, I mean, like... Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I respect that potentially there being an origin for it. Like, I would love to learn about origins of names for things. It's more of just, I don't necessarily, you know, really think about it because I don't have that connection yeah you've got that but now that you've mentioned it i'm like oh, now i am interested because that does seem like it would be an interesting there, yeah there connection possibly or... something there like even that jana chick that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier uh jan is just like abbreviation of her name it's like jan something like that it's uh, she's got a mouthful yeah it's something but yeah it it's something like that so i don't know if silco is just trying to well, what I think, what I kind of think of it is, is Silco's trying to bring an empire out of Zon. Potentially, at the very least, he knows something, we, we something know he to, to something to rival on how great Shirima was. Possibly, yeah. I, like, I, I don't know for sure. I think at the very least, he is just trying to get out from under Piltover's thumb. Yeah. So that. Well, there's definitely can, that, but so they can thrive. Yeah. Like, because it seems like. Uh, he wants them to basically have their time in the sun. So yeah. To not you know have the the boot of the enforcers on their throat. Yeah. Which I can't blame him. Yeah. I don't agree with his methods at all, but at the very least, like at the end of the day, I can't blame him for not wanting to be you know under basically an authoritarian rule by Piltover. Yeah. Because. all it is just exploiting them yeah and i yeah i i like that's why i say at the end of the day i can't hate silco i actually think he's one of the best characters in the show because you can understand entirely why he is who he is especially you know his whole talk about you know uh power that it's not the 
person who's born the strongest or the smartest. It's the person who's willing to do anything to take it. Yep. And he's not the strongest person. He might be in contention for being one of the smartest, at least craftiest. Yeah. For sure. Like his ability to plan and and even just, you know, he is an incredible leader, as terrifying as he is. He definitely does manage to get things done. But just he has that it's that X factor that he has of just they will do whatever it takes to to win, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I understand why he has that. I just you know he was not as bulky as Vander. He was not you know he doesn't have those you know, natural gifts. He's a wiry little dude who has had to you know scrap and scrape his way by. Yep. And has managed to survive, mm-hmm. which means he is da- he's dangerous. <laughs> like that's, yeah, that's how it usually goes. Let's see, my next note was that I think that Vi made the right choice leaving Powder behind. Yeah, like, I don't. Even if it turned out terribly, I don't think the choice was a bad one. Like, that leaving her behind to go to, when they went to go save Vander. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, just because. I mean, Vi has faith in Milo and Klaegor, and both of them are strong enough to take a punch, give it back, and... And also, she's going into a fight. She knows she's going into a fight. What was it that Vander asked her? If you're going to lead people into a fight, are you prepared to lose them? Yeah. And she was not prepared to leave Powder. Yeah. That was the one thing that if she lost... You know, if if they failed and she lost Vander and her brothers, it would crush her, but she could live with it. If pow- if she watched Powder die, I don't think that Vi would have likely leave. She would have collapsed. True. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that like I can see, you know, that side. As well as even just at the end of the day, Powder wasn't ready for that that level of fight. Yeah. At all. So, I, yeah, that's why I say I think Vi made the right choice. Yeah. It's just that she didn't quite understand just how ins- unstable Powder really was, as well as, you know, how deep the abandonment issues went. And then, of course, Powder figuring out that she was carrying around high explosives with her oh my did God. not help. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I think that it was uh, the right choice, even if it's to, it's, it's a thing about the show that... Typically, everybody makes the right choices with the knowledge that they have, mm-hmm. but things still go terribly, and that is a much more interesting watch than people being, you know, making stupid choices for the sake of the plot. Yeah. Let's see, my next note was, uh, we kind of touched on it, but Vi stand on the bridge against Silco's men is just epic. Yeah, like, that, that was tight. That, that first uppercut is so clean and so satisfying to see. Uh, but yeah, just her... She's so tired by the end of it, but you're, you're like you can't help but be so proud of her. She's just she is kicking. And you could you could see on how heavy those iron casters are, oh, or yeah, whatever his, the fuck the Vander's gauntlets. Yeah, are, like they, yeah, they're so heavy for her. She, she her she, hands are down. Her hands are just they, she she doesn't have. They're probably not even her hands aren't even big enough to really carry them very well. Yeah, and she's just she's doing her absolute best. And even in that scene, like I. I have a note about that Vander is such a good dad in that scene. With Milo trying to pick the lock. 
Yes. And he's just telling yeah. him, like, take a breath. You can do this. And yeah. It's, like, it's it, a desperate he's, note. He's, he's worried about, he's watching Vi the whole entire time, and then he's seeing Milo freak out, and he's like, you got this, buddy. He's like, take a breath. You can do this. Yeah. And it's just, like, he he's such a, a, he's a leader, for sure, but also just a good dad who's just like, no, you can do this. I believe in you. Yeah. And, like, and Milo does it. And it, it's a thing, too, that uh, so my, my other note, since we're kind of in this sort of scene, but um, was... If it had powder stayed put, would they have lived? Yes. It seemed like they were out. Yeah. It seemed like they yeah, they're been, they're they, out. They were just about out. Quite, you know, still possible that things could have gone wrong, but but it's just for for the most part, yeah, yeah. They they're getting out, and like I mean, Deckard was all cracked up. Yeah. Um. He's so all shimmered out. Yeah, but Vander probably could have fought him a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. They, they probably could have snaked their way through some of the alleys, but yeah, the god damn dude, like I so I I know that she had one one of those little crystals on the front of the monkey with the spikes. She had the other two inside of it. I never noticed that she put two of them in there. She had she put all three. Yeah, she and then had. whenever it goes off, you see where each little each, ball each goes. Each one gets sent flying. Yeah, other than the one that was. Oh to the monkey. God. And the one of them goes flying into the, the room with the family. Yep. And as uh as I said to you and it's uh it's Oz and the Night's Watch podcast pointed it out. Who'd have thought that setting off explosives near your loved ones was a bad idea? <laughs> and it, it just sucks to you that like whenever Powder does it and she's like falling off the bridge and she's like oh i did it yeah, and she's, she's like grabbing a spark she's like wow cool she's so proud and of herself like because it finally worked yeah her, her bombs finally you know her. and the weird thing too was like i'm not i was never mad at the character or at powder for she was just doing trying to it. help yeah but i more or less empathized with her yeah, because like at, she, she just wanted to help. It's something, yeah. It's just something that it's we've thing. all done as kids, where we think we're helping, but we're really not. Yeah, we're fucking something up even worse. And then, <laughs> you know, you also have like the fact that this was her thing. This yeah. is the thing that her sister, you know, her person has told her. You know, this is what makes you special. This is you know. Yeah. These will work someday. It's gonna be great. Yeah. And so it finally worked. So she's so proud of herself, and you're just. As the viewer, you're just sitting there like, oh no, she has no idea. She, <laughs> she is a jinx. It's just, yeah. Ah, it's so sad. Yeah, then we, um, shoot, after that. Also, I have a note about, huh. um, that during this whole scene, you have the juxtaposition of Jace and Victor using the, the hex crystal for, uh, a good purpose. You know, they're, they're trying to do something constructive. Oh yeah, trying to help the... And workers just, of Zod. <laughs> well, uh, I, just in general, though, like they, they're trying to do something constructive. They're trying yeah. to build with it. Yeah, they're, they're trying to, to do something good. At the same time, you have powder literally using it for destruction. Yeah, and you just you have that that juxtaposition at the same time of like this is what this this power is capable of. It depends on how you use it, which is yeah. Great... I mean that that's pretty much on how anything goes. Like well, typically, yeah, most most sources of power are are that way it's all about how you it, use them yeah it just Although takes I, the crafty people to figure out like oh hey i could i could do i can blow up my family yeah with i can this. do bad things <laughs> um, <laughs> coke hell yeah let's get high uh, but sorry what, what were you gonna say 
Oh no, like so after after the bomb goes off and then uh we see Milo and Clagor die. R.I.P. Um Yeah. Vander his first instinct is to get up and he sees Vi and he sees both of his boys dead. How strong is that man that he sees his kids die and instead of breaking down at that, he's his only thought is he hears Vi, you know, groan in pain is I have to protect my daughter. Yeah, I, he's like I will mourn later because you can see that just the absolute he's crushed when he sees the boys, but then Vi is alive and he's like, okay, I have to keep her safe. Yeah, I like the, uh, his first thought is I still have one. I still have to keep the one that's alive. So, yeah. yeah. So the first thing he does is he goes and he grabs his old cuffs. Was it that or was it like I almost thought because there, there were like hooks that he just it was like, like had, he broke off of like some of the, the bindings almost is what I thought it was. It was the uh like chains or the bindings yeah, on cause, the cause, chair because vi lost one gauntlet outside yeah and she's i think she might have still had the other one but no but re- she, regardless yeah like, uh he's just like i need some you know basically knuckles i need something to hit this yeah. to hit these guys with so, and then he goes out and first thing he does is grab those and then he just goes start slugging it down with i mean he takes out both of the the, the thugs that silco has or his little henchmen yeah so quick and so clean like that's, and, and I do love that you see he is what Vi, you know, aspires to be. He yeah. Is, you know, he's, Vi, you know, struggled with those guys to a degree. Yeah. And he's just like, dodge, nope, oh, you're done. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're done, tossed you over the side, like, and then even against Deckard as, you know, the cracked out monster. First thing he does is clinches them up. I mean, and he, just... he actually is such a, you know, he is a superior experienced fighter that he can just, he went toe-to-toe for not very long, but I mean, it's kind of a, yeah, you're a brawler against something that has superior strength. You're not exactly going to win. Yeah. But yeah, somebody who had, like, evasiveness as sort of their specialty might have been able to go more rounds with a yeah. cracked out monster like that. Yeah. Admittedly, though, they are still on the bridge, so your uh, your room to maneuver is not very high. But nevertheless, you know, somebody who is just, you know, slippery like a snake, they might have been able to go a little longer. If they could hit hard enough, too, then, you know, they're sort of the glass cannon type, then, yeah, they probably could have taken him out. Yeah. But nevertheless, like, still Vander. He locked up that arm, and he got a good old body blow. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets stabbed in the back by Silco. Yeah. Stabbed in his fingers which still is just like an, ah my fingers hurt thinking about that um, but there's it was pointed out that I've seen um, that you can get a callback to a degree of Silco in the beginning of the episode talking about what drowning is like that you know you're you're wanting to surrender but at the same time you know there's the other voice screaming out to fight that you could describe that as what Vander's going too, yeah, as he's laying there. He's, yeah, he, he's he's laying there in all the the shimmer, all the shimmer, and having that that question of like his back's do, probably do I surrender yeah, and die? Do I just because, lay here and die? But I got my kid up there, and they're going after my kid. Or do I fight? And, yeah, you know, immediately we you know what his answer yeah, would be because he's, he's a dad reaching for that for that that yeah, one, one broken I'm, bottle. Like I'm pretty sure, dude broke his back falling down. Probably. There. 
Or, but, or cracked his skull. Or yeah, anything. he's like, he's fighting to grab that bottle of shimmer, and then once he does, he, he... I mean, Deckard had no chance at that point. Yeah. And then, you know, he has that final choice of, he sees Silco, and you have to wonder, like, does, does you know, that shimmer is, like, raw, almost, and unrefined. How much of his mental capacity is still there? Because it, it seemed like, you know, you're almost getting Hulk levels of, like, just, you know, rage yeah. monster. He sees Silco, and then he sees Vi almost getting crushed, and he immediately goes to Vi. It's like, how much does that speak to Vander's character? Yeah, I, I think it just shows on how strong of a will he yeah. had that he was not, that at the end of the day, Vi's life mattered way more than killing Silco. Yeah. And my final note for episode three was uh, after everything, so after Vander sadly died. After uh, Vi has made the really unfortunate choice to you know, answer the, the problem of her sister with her fist, which is ironically the same you know, lesson her, that Vander was trying to teach her. Also, she punches her right after Vander says take care of Powder, which is, you know, it's kind of uh, kind of sad. But I, I can't blame Vi for walking away to try to cool down. Yeah. Like, it made total sense, and, you know, Maybe she could have said, "Give me a moment to powder." But at the same time, she was still at, at the same time like fuming. you watched. You oh, watched yeah. people fucking die. She's Your fuming. dad just jumped out of the I, building. As I, a I I can't blame Vi at all. Yeah, I I yeah. There is no 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 point. Like I say, everybody makes the decision that seems right in the moment uh -huh. in the show, and it's just things turn out badly. But um, the my last note has to do with Silco comes up and he starts out with his sort of you know saccharine voice and like hello little girl and you're like oh god he's gonna yeah her. and he's he's old he's, he's the got knife. the knife yeah and then she jumps on him and he's like you know asks her where's or asks where's your sister and she jumps on him and says she left me and he looks at vander and he drops the knife and he looks at vander and basically thinks you, you can even say he's drawing that that similarity of he was abandoned by his brother you know looking at vander and betrayed He's you know, been left alone. She is basically like him. Yeah. And so he, see, you actually see that moment, which still another shout to the animation team. You see that moment in his eyes where he goes from "I'm going to kill this little girl" to "I'm going to take care of this little girl." Yeah. And it's it's so neat to see like that moment of for him where he then you know hugs her and says, "We'll show them. We will show them all." And then Jinx's eyes turning purple. Yeah. I, well. Okay, so another thing I noticed at that scene was like, it take, it takes a while, and he's staring at his hand in the rain, mm -hmm. and he's looking at the rain hitting the top of his hand and then the bottom of his hand covered. Mm -hmm. So I thought he was covering powder, uh -huh. but I, but I realized like, oh no, he's just going in for a hug. And he was he's so, having uh, that, that yeah, internal he's, debate he's, of do I kill her or do I take or her do her? I take her <laughs> under my cover? Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know that that was like a really good or really nice part for me watching um Silco take her in and then it's such a neat character moment too. Yeah, it it's it's that, a total flip. That like somebody who obviously up to this point has been so very villainous has some humanity still left. Yep, has some compassion still left, and it just it took seeing his own, you know, somebody betrayed to his knowledge 
to his own, you know, in, in the same way as he was. He had to, which is kind of fair, you know, most people, until you can see, you know, a bit of yourself in somebody else, you can't connect with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, I, I do keep going to the idea of every character in this show is is human, is a person. There's, you know, no, there's monsters, but, you know, leading away from the fantasy side of things, it's just, you know, he's somebody who does terrible things, but on the flip side, he is somebody who's also capable and who has power. Yeah. And as we'll get into later, he's actually not a bad father. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a funny thing. You wouldn't expect it, but yeah, we'll, we'll get in, into that in the next episode. But yeah, it's just the first three episodes are, are a roller coaster for sure. Yeah, and I'd like, I don't know. I didn't, I never really expected. <laughs> <Or a train> <laughs> yeah. Like, for all these years, I've always wanted League of Legends to, or Riot, Riot, to make just a show, just a show of whatever character, because their animations are, like, the cinematics and all that stuff are so good, and whenever the show came out, I was hyped. I watched every episode the day that it came out. I I think I, like, I had... I had to go into work at like what four the next day, or something like that. A.M. At yeah A.M. Oh, yeah, well I had to wake up at four. Right. But the show came out at twelve at midnight. Oh God. So I stayed up. Oh, you were up until like one at least. Then. Yeah. So I. No. Or is I, it even later than that? Yeah, it was like two. I only got like two hours of sleep because oh, I was God. so hyped. And then whenever I got home. I just can't take naps, so I stayed awake, and then I had the show playing in the background again. Nice. Yeah, and then every every weekend, I'd watch the show up until it got to the last three episodes, and then I spread those out over like what three days? Nice. Because yeah, I don't know. Arcane really surpassed what I thought oh, Riot yeah. could do with the story, and. I'm really happy that they're changing the story of the two sisters because the old one was kind of just dumb. They made Jinx seem like a sociopath for no reason, but now, now we do have reason. We're getting the the deep dive. Yeah, it's incredible. It's this story has definitely cemented its place as you know one of my favorites of all time. So yeah, I I'm excited that I get to talk about it with you. Yep. I've wanted to talk about it with you for a while. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for the first episode of Mana Tapped. Tune in next week, and we will be talking about episodes... Four through six. Four through six. And after that, the six through nine. Or seven to nine. Seven to nine? No. Seven to nine. Seven to nine. One of them. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks My name's Chris. In. I'm Kurt. And we'll see you next time.